Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 104. It's now been one year, five weeks, and three days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today is a 100% total bonus episode. For those of you who don't know, a bonus episode is when I strap on the recorder and just go walk around thinking things through. It's not as likely that there's going to be comments from VCs or pre-recorded things or other stuff because bonus episodes usually mean I have something on my mind. And today, lucky Friday the 13th in March of 2015 is no exception. I have a lot on my mind since I came back from my birthday trip to Palm Springs with Mark. And I thought the best way to get in a little bit of exercise, some fresh air, improve my mood, is to talk it out with you, my BCs. So I'm going to listen to Josh Woodward right now, and after his inspirational snippet of I'm letting go, I'll share with you the things that I'm thinking about letting go, and we'll talk a little bit more. Plus, a very, very special smooch, and thank you to Suze for her birthday gift. Stay tuned, and I'll be right back. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never Thank you, Josh, for that lucky rendition of I'm Letting Go here on the unlucky Friday the 13th. Now, I don't know how Friday the 13th started out to be known as an unlucky day, but today I'm feeling pretty darn lucky as the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day in Southern California. And all I have to do is walk out my front door and I'm in a beautiful park, a great place to think about my thoughts. So I think I'm lucky on this Friday the 13th. How about you guys? Are you still in the snow or are the daffodils just starting to come out? What do you think? Anyhow, first off, I want to give a great big thank you from my heart to Suzanne, aka Suze, who sent me the best birthday gift ever. I mean, ever. <laughs> she crafted for me a tiara to wear that spells out the word brave, B-R-A-V-E, brave. And she said, my bravery is my crowning glory. Wow, Suze, you are so creative. And like I told you in my thank you email, it's kind of funny that you gave me a tiara because I love tiaras. And one of the big jokes I have with Mark is when he goes to the store, he'll say, what do you need, honey? And I'll say like, oh, I need some eggs, some milk, and don't forget the diamond tiara. And every time he comes home from the store, <laughs> I'll say, where's the tiara? He says, oh, sorry, hon, they were all out. I guess we'll have to look next time. And we laugh. That's one of the reasons why, if you go take a look at my Weight Watcher goal picture, I'm wearing a tiara in that. That was actually a funny story. I don't know if I told it to you or not. But when I was losing weight with Weight Watchers, I was so close to goal. I think I was within five pounds of goal for months on end. And everybody kept saying, are you a goal yet? Are you at goal yet? Are you at goal yet? And I said, look, you'll know when I'm at goal because I'll put on an evening gown and a tiara. 
And I was sort of joking around, but I thought, why not? I'll get an evening gown and tiara ready. So if I ever hit goal, I'll run out, you know, to the car, change into it, and these guys will know. Well, one time I was wearing a business dress, just a dress, you know, above the knee dress, because I either was coming or going to a business meeting. And all the guys in the room started screaming and clapping and saying, hooray, Lori's at goal. All the women just looked at them like they're out of their mind. They said, well, she's wearing a dress. They said, evening dress. It's not an evening dress. So eventually I did get to goal and I put on my evening dress and my tiara. And so there was no mistake. I actually made a banner like what the beauty queens wear. This said at goal. And that was really a fun moment. So yes, even though I'm really into intuitive eating, I still can remember that joy and feeling of accomplishment that I got from going to Weight Watchers for those two years, sticking to it, even though I got kind of obsessive, it was fun. It was fun to celebrate that achievement. It was fun to wear that evening dress, size six, I think it was, and to be at goal and wear my tiara. So anyhow, Suze, you've gotten to show that I don't need to be at goal in order to wear a tiara. And as a matter of fact, I love that this one says brave because I don't have to wait for anything to be brave. I can wear your wonderful birthday tiara every single day of my life. And in fact, I hope I do. There's a couple takeaways that you guys can get from me thanking Suze and telling that Weight Watcher tiara story before I let you know what I'm letting go. And as I've said in the past, that means that there's stuff that I'm letting go of that I'm struggling to admit to you, right? Because every single time that happens, I find some way to put off the moment where I tell you exactly what I'm going to let go of today. This is also a good point in the show to remind you that since this is a bonus episode and I'm actually walking around the park, besides my heavy breathing, you might hear other people that are in the park walking or walking their dog or playing. You might hear traffic because parts of this path go nearer to the road than other parts of the path. You might even hear some of those gosh darn crows that made me run away from the podcast rock last show. Remember, I had to go up on the mountain because the crows just would not be quiet. Now, today, I'm not sure if I'm going to take time to sit at the podcast rock once I reach it, or if I'm just going to uh, walk around and talk until I've talked myself out. So you've been warned that there's going to be different noises, and crows or cars or dogs or people or whatever. I'm just going to keep on walking and talking (laughs) as much as I can. All right, let me take a deep breath. (gasps) And then I'll let you know what I'm going to let go of today. Okay, I'm still putting off telling you what I'm going to let go of because we're just now going past the dog park. So for you dog lovers out there, and I am one even though I'm a cat mama, you can hear the dogs barking and playing and having a good time. It's kind of cheerful to go by the dog park. Even if you don't have a dog, the dogs are so happy to see one another. And it reminds me how important it is to have connections, whether you're a dog or a person. 
That's another cool thing about going to a park, is that you run into other people. Ooh, and I had to stop recording there for a moment because I was running into some other people, not because their noise was interrupting me, but because they were having their own gathering and I think they don't wanna hear me talking as loud as I do when I'm walking around recording. So to give them a little more privacy and respect, I walked on a little bit further. So now I'm going past some boulders, about halfway past the park, dog park, and to the back side where I might find the podcast rock. So I might spend some time sitting there today, we'll see. Anyway, it's been several minutes now since we listened to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward. And I still haven't told you what I'm thinking about letting go of. And that's because this is a very difficult decision. I don't freak out. It's not the show, no. What I'm thinking about letting go of is my determination not to count my calories or to measure my food. Kind of, we could put it another way, is don't let, I'm going to let go of the word can't, okay? I spent a long time talking this through with my therapist yesterday, a really long time, because as I've said many times, and it's the absolute truth, my primary goal in this show and in life is to develop a life that's free of the fear of food, free of the compulsive eating that I presented with and the binge eating as my disordered way of dealing with life, and the ability to connect in an authentic way with people. And in the past, anything that smacked of diet mentality, including counting calories, including worrying about how many calories I was burning through exercise, <laughs> including my bouts with exercise bulimia, or in limiting one kind of food and eliminating others, sent me into the obsessive compulsive rabbit hole that kept me from getting close to people or even getting close to my own self, even knowing what it is that I want in my own heart and mind. Some of the things these past dieting episodes had in common is either I saw a weight on the scale I didn't like, saw a picture I didn't like, had something going on in my life I didn't like that I wanted to transfer into my weight obsession. As we've said many, many times before, one of my go-tos is to take any kind of emotional pain, any kind of discomfort that I'm feeling, and to turn that into a laser focus on dieting. And then after I get done dieting and missing the food I really want to eat long enough or I get really sick of eating the small enough amount to actually lose some weight, then it will usually ricochet back into the binging behavior where I tend to just eat all that I can before I might put myself on a diet again. And this is a cycle that I've repeated over and over and over. So I haven't really been counting any calories or paying attention to amounts of food outside of asking myself, am I hungry or not, or is this delicious or not? I think since last June. It wasn't at the very start of this show. It wasn't last February because for the first 
oh, I don't know, two, three, four months, I was counting calories. I was putting myself on a 1,500 calorie allowance. And the only thing that I was doing then was I made sure I wasn't eating any diet food or any food I don't love. That was smart of me. <laughs> Whatever it was, I was fitting it in as best I could to that 1,500 calorie allowance. But as you know, I had my tussles with the robot aliens when I was doing that. And part of that is that when you present with compulsive eating and binge eating disorder like I do, anything that smacks of deprivation tends to trigger that. It makes you want to get it all. It makes you want to eat it all. Kind of like a last supper. That's what they mentioned in the book. But it's, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go on my diet on Monday, so it's Sunday. I better eat all the Oreos in the cupboard. I better eat all the chips. I better eat all the cake. Whether or not you really want it, you know that come Monday you're going to deprive yourself. And so you go for it. I know many of you are familiar with that concept of eating a whole bunch now over the fear that you're not going to get to eat later. And that's part of what you do when you're legalizing all the foods and when you have all the foods and when you don't deny yourself eating through intuitive eating is you're kind of dismantling that, that mentality. I mean, why should you go eat all of the Oreos right now when you could go eat a few Oreos in an hour or in 10 minutes or have another few Oreos whenever you want? I mean, there's, there's no reason to go eat them all. Once you've worked through these feelings of deprivation and once your body really starts to trust you that yes, indeedy, anything you might want, we're going to get to eat, okay? And it really does work. In fact, I should take a picture of our cupboards. Maybe I will when I get home. But Mark and I still have chocolates from Christmas all kinds of chips that now need to be thrown out because they're open and have gone bad, even though we have, you know, those little chip clip things. We have crackers, we have cookies. We have so much stuff that I even forgot that we had. You know, that is amazing. I have not been binge eating on junk. I haven't been binge eating even on healthy foods. I really have not been binge eating for quite some time. The closest thing I got to it was in Christmas when I was going through depression. I think I was overeating a little bit on sweets. I think I wanted that, that rush of dopamine that you get from eating chocolate. But I didn't eat all the box of chocolate. And as I described, I think in a blog post, there were even many of the chocolates that I took a bite of and spit out because I realized I didn't like them. Who knew? that the majority of C's chocolates, a great chocolate company, by the way, are things I don't like. I never even knew that there was such a thing as a chocolate I didn't like. You know, we're coming up now to the podcast rock, and I think I would like to sit down and talk to you if the crows will let me. So stay by, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm comfortably ensconced here under the podcast tree on my regular podcast rock, so you'll have a brief respite from, from hearing my heavy breathing, hopefully, and I won't be walking around for a little while. I thought I'd just sit here and really ponder on the decision that I'm thinking of making because 
there's two things when we're talking about weight and your body image and your self-image. And until this year, my self-image and my body image were one and the thing. <laughs> one and the thing. One and the same. Okay? Like fat and ugly go together. Fat and bad went together with me. So the bigger I was, the more bad I was as a person. That's how I felt about it. I felt a lot of shame about my size. I felt a lot of shame over not being what's expected as a woman in our society or as a person. I felt a lot of shame about not fitting into the seat. I felt a lot of shame if my arms would jiggle instead of being sculpted like, you know, like in the Terminator, <laughs> how Linda Hamilton's was, you know, great musculature. Because these days, not only are you not supposed to be fat, but you're supposed to be chiseled, right? And when you get past 50, my goodness, that's a real big challenge because you don't have as much collagen in your skin. Even if you've slathered on the sunblock and kept out of the sun, you just don't. You, your skin starts to not be as elastic and not snap back as easily. And you start to get some age spots and you start to get some of these things happen to you. So it's pretty impossible to meet up to society's standards of beauty even if that's what you want to do. But I'm getting off track. Anyway, for me, how I felt about myself was very, 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 very much tied in to how my body was. And my body was a reflection. It both spoke for me about how I was feeling. It was a protection for me to keep people away from me, as we talked about before. In physical space, you have to give me more room if I'm bigger. It kind of keeps you from seeing the real me, and it comes as a handy excuse. If I don't succeed, or if you don't like me, it's because I'm fat, and nobody likes someone who's fat. That is a wrong-headed notion and an excuse that I let become true for me for all these years. So I had a very complex psychological relationship with my eating disorder and my body. Well, for example, when I was in Palm Springs, Palm Springs is a very body conscious place, I would have to say. People are stylish, they dress fairly well. You know, there's gourmet places to eat, a lot of places to go antiquing or to get a lot of what they call vintage <laughs> tchotchkes, which means sort of the mid-century stuff that I grew up with. I had to laugh to go by all these high-end design stores and see stuff that mom gave to the Goodwill when I was growing up. Anyway, that's another topic. But we stayed at a beautiful hotel, really nice, liked it. It was a it was a hotel actually that movie stars used to stay in in the old days, and this had been newly renovated. Still had the Spanish kind of villa style. It was a fairly small hotel, had a nice pool. And I would see ladies who had, in my opinion, really nice bodies come to that pool and keep themselves covered up till the very last second when they dive in so as not to show any of their jiggling flesh. And how do I know this? Because I would overhear them talking about, oh my God, you know, I'm so fat and all this kind of thing and really mean it. So I'm thinking, oh my Lord, if these little guppies are talking about how fat they are, wait till they get a load of me. And normally that would have filled me with shame and want me to go put a cover up on and, and not take it off. But that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go swimming. So I noticed 
that I didn't even put my usual shorts on. I went to our room, I put on my bathing suit, and I walked proud as a peacock past these women who were complaining about their fatness without really giving them any mind. I didn't feel, oh my God, you might notice that I have big legs. I didn't think, oh, you're gonna notice that I have cellulite or that I have this or that my body is imperfect because I know damn well my body is imperfect. My body will never, ever, ever in this lifetime be perfect. And as a matter of fact, even perfect models' bodies aren't perfect. That's why they have to all be Photoshopped, okay? Nobody is perfect. And it was a warm day. The pool looked inviting. All that was really in my mind is I want to go swimming. So I put on my swimsuit and went swimming. And then I sat in my lounge chair under a shade umbrella, not covered up with towels because I didn't feel like it. <laughs> and I really didn't do it even to make a point. This was something that naturally occurred. And I noticed as I was getting out of the pool that I felt even a little bit of pride. I felt proud of my body not how it looked, but that I could swim, that I could walk across the floor, that I could do all these things. It just felt good to be in my body, whatever size it happens to be. Now, we've talked also before that the size it happens to be is a little bigger size than I think is the optimum weight for it. I don't feel as wonderfully energetic as I believe I would feel if my body was at its perfect weight. And I have been really, really, really paying attention to what I eat as far as am I hungry, am I full, am I eating quality food or not. And I'm kind of just here at this point that doesn't seem to be budging, but doesn't make me feel good physically. And so I've really been giving it quite some months to see if my behavior could budget, you know, and not to go into diet mentality and not to do these things. And I have to truthfully say, I do not believe that I am in any kind of diet mentality. I don't feel that I'm in an emotional crisis at the moment. In fact, my life feels rather good. I just came back from a nice vacation. Mark and I are feeling really close and happy with each other. Our finances for once aren't in any kind of disaster. Oh, I need to knock on some wood right away. I'm, I'm jinxing our finances. <laughs> but everything is going really well. I can't point to anything outside of how I feel carrying this weight around that makes me wish my body was different. I don't feel like hiding in my diet obsession. I don't feel like I have to prove to you or to anybody else that I need to be thinner. I feel in my own self that I would like to have less body weight on my body. Now, coupled with that, that I've been having some digestive, some digestive problems lately. And not all the time, but every once in a while, I will eat something and then puff up like a puffer fish. And it's almost immediate. It's like, if you imagine that you ate a lot of rice and then drank a lot of water, what you might feel like half an hour later, 
or an hour later as that rice expands in your tummy and how full that makes you feel and how uncomfortable that is. If you've ever had that experience where you ate too much and then you felt a lot full later as the liquid absorbed and it started going through your digestive system, well, every now and again, I've been getting that, but it happens all of a sudden. So it is much more like an allergy reaction or a food reaction, something going on. So I've been on purpose making my food more simply, or if I go out to eat, eating a simple order of something rather than things that have a lot of different ingredients and eating a few bites and then waiting to see if this would happen, trying to keep track of what are the likely culprits. And so far, I've not had really great success. Well, also, you know, it's hard for me to always remember exactly what I ate and to keep track of it right now. But when I was counting my calories on Spark People, I had most things that I ate and most of my recipes in the database already in order to put it in, you know, to make sure I wasn't eating over my calories. So I was talking to my therapist who knows darn well how much I don't want to go into obsessive calorie counting about these twin issues. I said, you know, I would really like to lose weight and it seems at the moment that my natural eating behavior is keeping me at this weight and I don't think that it is the weight I want to be at. So am I in denial? Am I going right back into, you know, a societal expectation for myself that I can't be happy at the weight that I am? And she gave me some pointed examination and said, no, I don't think that's the case. I think you have now separated your body type and image and how you feel about your body from your emotional side. As I said to you guys, she verified for me that in her professional opinion, these are now two separate issues for me, as it should be. <laughs> this is really a victory. If you can ever get to the place where how you view your body and how it feels is completely separate, I mean completely, 100% separate from how you view your worth and value and your pride and how lovable you are, that is great. Right, that is absolutely great. But it's still very, very scary for me to think about, oh man, if I put in calories or put food in, I might just go right back down the rabbit hole and I don't wanna do that. That is my number one priority, is to keep building on the emotional wellness that I've been building for myself in this last year through therapy, through this show, through being brave, through trying voice acting, through trying whatever I want, through wearing my bathing suit in public and not caring. All this practice on feeling good about myself, I don't want that to go down the tubes. I would rather weigh this weight forever then to go back to the obsession that I had, to go back to the compulsions that I had, to go back to the diet binge cycle that I had. Don't want that. So she and I came up with a plan. And that plan is I will go ahead and put what I eat into Spark People this week, but I'm not going to change what I eat. I'm simply going to weigh and measure it to get an idea of how much I'm eating of something and to put it in to the database so that I can see what it is that I'm eating, both in calorie wise, 
to see if I'm thinking in my head, wow, I'm eating around 2,000 calories, but in reality, I'm eating 3,000 calories. And also, so I can see what kind of nutrients that I'm consuming so I can better track how I feel. So I've also put in there a line item so that I can kind of do like a mini body balance after every meal, like a half hour after every meal, I'm going to note how I feel in the fullness range and do I have any of these symptoms? So I can see like, does this always happen when I eat corn? Does this always happen if I have dairy? Does this always happen if there's peanuts involved? You know, those kinds of things. I'm trying to track down what in my food is causing these feelings of distress because it isn't all the time. It's every once in a while. And my broad investigations has not told me this. It doesn't seem to always be dairy. It doesn't seem to be always wheat. It doesn't seem to be always grain. It doesn't seem to be always gluten. It doesn't seem to be always a particular vegetable. The closest thing that I can ascertain from my broad-based observations is that I can't eat as much fiber at one time as I used to. Now I've told you I'm not a vegetarian, I'm not a vegan, but my natural appetite leans that way. So I'm used to eating a lot of vegetables and a lot of bean products and a lot of legumes and just a lot of that was a staple of my diet because those are the kinds of foods I enjoy eating. And it seems that when I'm eating these fibrous foods all together, I can't handle that as well anymore. So that might be part of it. So another reason why I'm thinking of putting my food this week in to spark people so I can see if there's like a fiber cap <laughs> that is, you know, like, hey, I'm good up to here, but not up to here, that kind of thing. But I have to tell you, Brave Companions, I'm a little bit scared of this. You know, I haven't weighed and measured anything for a long time. So I would love your support. You know, so if you've got a moment this week, call the Bravery Hotline and say, we support you, Lori, or give me your thoughts on it, or post a comment and say, we're thinking of you. And... For sure, I'm going to try to do another show probably before a week from now, but I will do another bonus show at least in a week to share with you the results of what I found out and what's going on. Because my therapist also felt that if after several weeks of just tracking my calories and not changing my eating, if my weight is still not seeming to go where I want, that it might be okay to bring my calories down a little tiny bit to try to on purpose bring my calories down to see how that would feel. Now this idea terrifies the bejesus out of me, but in a way it doesn't. In a way I'm thinking maybe this is the thing. Early on in my show I did one called something about a tightrope, like walking the tightrope between binge eating and dieting because it is impossible, at least it was for me, it's really impossible to work on giving up binge eating and to be on a restrictive diet of any kind. It's really impossible. Well, I pretty much have given up binge eating at this point. In fact, all of the books or all of the therapists that I've talked to in the past have said, you know, Lori, you really need to give up the dieting first because it's more important that you address the binge eating. Now, of course, that is not what I wanted to hear because I always wanted to lose weight. I wanted to be good. 
I didn't want to hear that I should put dieting last and get rid of binge eating first. I wanted to, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll diet first and get to a normal weight and then I'll give up binge eating. And that was really my preference all these years. So I knew that it was difficult. And as a matter of fact, even when I got down to that Weight Watcher goal that I was so proud of, I was binge eating all the way. But like I told you, I would then exercise bulimia, bulimia my way out of it. I mean, we're talking about not going for a hike, but going for a run for three hours to make up for some of the binging and to continually be walking at work around my desk and making sure I was fidgeting and doing all of these kinds of things to try to overcome the binge eating that I was doing while staying on my Weight Watcher diet. And that was not a fun way to live. As you can see from my picture, I was able to accomplish it and I actually stayed at that weight or close to that weight for about two years before I had the surgery that started my path onto weight gain to where I am now. Well, I didn't want that. I don't want that, but if it's at all possible, I would like to have a body that is more comfortable physically, that's easier for me to sit in chairs, easier for me to hike with, easier for me to bike with, just easier. Now, I don't know what that weight is, and I have no intention of getting back on the scale. I take that back. I do have one intention to go on the scale, and I talked about this in therapy too. The next time I will go on my scale on purpose will be if I ever get to that weight where I feel good, and I'm there for a while, and I think, this is a good weight for me, and I feel good at it, then I am going to step on the scale in order to see what that weight is, and then I'm going to destroy that scale from then after because it's only for my information. I will never again get on a scale to notice if I'm gaining weight or not. I don't need a scale to know that. I can tell from my body and how I feel. I can tell if I've eaten well by how I feel. I know that my body is a little heavier than what I want it to be by how I feel. And I will know when my body feels like I wish it would feel by how I feel. But I will, brave companions, get on a scale one day when I'm at that weight where I feel good. And I'll tell you what that number is just for, just for posterity, just for posterity. And that number might be 210 pounds, might be 191 pounds, might be 180 pounds, might be 155 pounds. I don't think it's gonna be that low, but whatever pounds it happens to be, I will get on the scale and take a picture of it. Then I'm gonna destroy that scale because I can just look at that picture and say, hey, this is what I weigh when I feel like this. So brave companions, thanks so much for listening and for being there and for supporting me. Both those of you in the coffee clatch who send me your $5 cups of coffee or support me through the subscription of coffee, that really touches my heart. When you shop the Amazon links, that really touches me too because you know, all of that, leaving reviews, leaving comments, sending money or shopping through Amazon takes your valuable time and effort. And you know, I just gotta tell you that I do appreciate it. I appreciate you. And you have, without a doubt, 
been a big part of the success that I've had this year that's helped me change my life and take this risk right now. So Brave Companions, I'm going to stop recording, go back to rocking out to Quadrophenia by The Who, get home, and get back on with my life. So until next time, please take care, because whatever I weigh, I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. Be gone, it won't be home.